0: plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, listeners. Welcome to my podcast. It's normal here at the beginning before I play the jingle to tell you about uh, Luke's English Podcast Premium, isn't it? Because this is how I pay for this whole thing. It's how I pay for my time to be able to do this, and it's how I put food on the table. I mean, you know, I get money, and then I buy the food with the money, and then I take it home, and then I use my hands to arms to put literally put the food on the table, but you know what I mean. So let me just quickly mention Luke's English Podcast Premium. That's right. It's this service that I provide to my subscribers, and it involves vocab lessons, uh, pronunciation lessons, grammar lessons, and stuff like that from me to you. You can get the lessons through the Luke's English Podcast app or on the website and um, there's a huge library of premium content now so if you'd like me to use my teaching skills to help you improve your English and get dedicated lessons for that specific purpose then check out Luke's English podcast premium and to get all the information that you could possibly need about it just go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. So hello, listeners. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're doing well and that you're ready to learn some more English with me in this new episode. This one is called The Mountain, and I'm going to read you a short story and then use it to teach you some English. There is a video version of this available on YouTube with the text on the screen, so you can read and listen at the same time, and you can see my face while I'm recording this, if that's what you'd like to see. Uh, You can find that video on the page for this episode on my website or on my YouTube channel. That's Luke's English Podcast on YouTube, and don't forget to like and subscribe, of course. Stories are great for learning English, and I'm always searching for various stories that I could read out on the podcast. I found a few stories and texts, both online and in books that I have on my bookshelves, so you can expect some more story episodes like this coming in the future as I read different things in different styles from different texts, including some well-known published work and some independently published stuff and fan fiction that is available online. Stories make ideal material for language learning. They are compelling and often the text of the story is also available, which makes it extra useful for language learning because it works as a transcript for what you're listening to. So today, I googled free short stories online, and I ended up on a website called com. C-O-M-M-A-F-U-L, com. This website is described as the largest library of multimedia stories online. And on Commaful, you can read and share stories written by users of the site, Uh, fan fiction poetry and comics and they have a picture book format which means that their stories are presented in a slightly different way which makes them a bit more pleasant to read online or on mobile devices more pleasant than just reading text on a screen which is never a pleasant way to read literature So rather than presenting their texts on screen, they put each line of the story on top of an image of some kind, like a picture of a lake or a landscape or something, and you can swipe from one image to the next, reading each line of the story as you go, which is quite nice. And so when reading these stories out loud, the format encourages you to pause as you read each line, which is quite a good habit. Pausing is a good presentation skill pausing can be quite a good discipline to practice because it can add some space for the audience to think and it can change the atmosphere slightly adding extra weight to each line that you say so pausing and taking your time can be good presentation skills to practice and when you listen to me telling you the story you'll notice you know you'll notice what i'm talking about here the the, the pauses So first, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the story to you, and you can just follow along and try to understand what's going on. And then I'll read it again, and I will stop to explain some bits of English that come up. And there are various nice bits of English in here, phrasal verbs, expressions, and other nice bits of vocabulary, mainly. The story is written in American English, which is mostly the same as British English, really, but I will point out any differences... And we'll give you the UK English equivalents. So this can be a chance to learn some British and American English differences and equivalents. I will do a vocabulary and language summary at the end too. So at the end of this, after about an hour, I'll go through the vocab again. As I said, there will be some pauses between the lines of the story because of the way the story is presented to me on the website. I don't normally pause like this when doing this podcast, but it could be useful because it might help you absorb what I'm saying. And you can also use those pauses to repeat after me if you like. And this will be easier if you can read the lines with me. And again, you can do that by watching the YouTube video or visiting the story on commaful.com. I think you'll actually find the story embedded on, on the page for this episode. Um, So, yeah, um, you could repeat after me and it'll be easier if you have the text uh, in front of you. Or you can just try repeating without seeing the lines if you want an extra challenge. And, of course, you can simply just enjoy listening to the story without worrying about repeating or anything like that. You can just sit back and enjoy the, the story. So the story itself is about 10 minutes long just to let you know what to expect the rest of the episode is me explaining and describing the language in the story. And by the way, this story was posted on com by a user called Aknia, A-K-N-I-E-R, Acnea, And I'm assuming that acnea is the author of this, so credit goes to him or her for writing it. And yes, follow the link in the description to access the story, and you can leave comments there if you like, or just on my website as usual. Uh, that is basically it. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy the story and I hope you enjoy um, learning some English from it. But now let's begin the story. This one is called The Mountain. Actually, just before we start, I would say this story actually is not about a mountain. It's not about mountain climbing. I think the mountain is a metaphor which comes up in the story. Um, but just to get you thinking, um, think about your childhood. What kind of child were you? I mean, how? Uh, what was it like for your parents to bring you up? Uh, were you a cooperative child? Did you try to do everything your parents wanted? Did you listen to them? Did you try to make them happy all the time? Were you sort of cooperative, well-behaved child, or were you a child who probably made your parents' lives quite difficult just by doing your own thing, not always listening, and um, you know, stressing your parents out and stuff like that? Because having kids can be quite, quite challenging, of course, because you want your children to listen to you, you want them to cooperate it can be quite stressful, especially if there are lots of children in the family. It's a lot for the parents to manage, to keep everything under control. And I guess some kids are easy to control and other kids um, are less easy to control. The easy to control ones maybe are being cooperative. They're making an effort to make things easy for the parents. But anyway, I wonder what kind of child you were. Maybe a combination of the two. I'm just saying that just to make you think about this story a little bit before we start reading. Okay, Let's go. Here we go. So, The Mountain. My mother said that out of all five of her children, I was the easiest baby. I think what she meant was that I hardly cried, rarely fussed, and was generally asleep, which I guess was a good thing for her. As the fourth of five, she had a lot to deal with before she could get to me. So I made it easier for her. I kept doing it as I grew up. If one of my siblings dropped their ice cream, I'd give them mine so they'd stop making a scene. When someone had to sit in a middle seat, you can bet that's where my car seat would be strapped. In fifth grade, when Clara Gomez stole my cookie from my lunchbox, I just shrugged and ate my carrot sticks. My nickname was Montañita, Little Mountain, because I was never moved, never bothered, always calm. In seventh grade, I broke my leg. But I didn't tell anyone for three days. I just gritted my teeth and hopped along until my father found me crying on the bathroom floor. He took me to the hospital and bought me a cast we couldn't afford. And when the kids at school called me a cripple, well, you can guess what I did. In high school, my little sister Sophia was getting picked on by some boys. I pretended I didn't see it happen. But that night, I switched out her too small uniform skirt for mine. She stopped getting teased. And I wore pants for the rest of the year. When my college algebra professor lost my test and made me retake it, I just nodded and did it. When I got catcalled walking across campus, I just looked down at the ground. And you? The first day you came up to me and offered to buy me coffee... I was sure you were making fun of me too. So I stayed quiet. Eventually you flashed me that blinding smile and told me, guess I'll take that as a yes then. I think I said about three words to you that first day. But I gave you my number. And answered when you called At first, I think, you just thought I was shy. But as the months went on and things got more serious, you started to get upset when I didn't tell you things. When I got fired from my part-time job and started skipping lunch to afford my textbooks, I didn't want to tell you because I knew it would upset you. I was right, wasn't I? You were so mad when you figured it out. Here, you yelled, shoving money at me. Take it. I don't need it. You know I have a scholarship. You know my parents send me money. Take the goddamn money. I just stood there. I'd never had someone yell at me while doing something nice before. When you noticed how stunned I was, you softened your voice. Please, it it hurts me to see you starving yourself. Please take the money. For the first time ever, I talked back. Why? You laughed at me because I love you, you idiot. I took the money, but snuck most of it back into your wallet that night when you were asleep. For most of the time we dated, we never fought. Even when one of your friends tried to tell me you cheated on me. I knew you hadn't. The friend was just a jerk. When he tried to tell me, I just stared at him. Didn't cry or yell or demand proof. That freaked the friend out a bit. He kept trying to convince me, but I stayed so calm, he eventually gave up and admitted the truth. Later you told me you couldn't believe how amazing I was to trust you so much. The truth was, I had no idea if it was the truth or not. I just didn't react because I knew if I did, it wouldn't change the outcome. And I'd learned that staying calm in situations like that gave me the power. Our marriage, too, had very few fights. If you didn't take out the trash like you said you would, I did it. And when you noticed I'd done your chores, you felt so bad that you'd do some of mine to make it up. When our children misbehaved, I never raised my voice or screamed or made a scene. I just asked them what they did. And eventually they'd cave. Our oldest told me once it'd be much less scary if I'd just shout at them like Dad did. I figured I'd stay like I was calm, quiet, a peacemaker, non reactive for the rest of my life. But you changed that. You jerk. when you died. When you died, it was like that frozen mountain of emotional outbursts inside me melted all at once. Nobody expected it when I started screaming and sobbing at the funeral. My older brother tried to take me outside, and I punched him in the jaw. I apologised later, of course. You'd hardly recognize me now, I think. It's a lot harder for me to stare blankly now and take things. Because I keep remembering you saying, Stand up for yourself, you deserve better, Mia Moore. And you're not here anymore to stand up for me or our kids. I don't know how to describe it exactly. What changed the moment you left this earth? But it's like I was blue one moment and red the next. Hard as ice before I melted into a hurricane. I was a mess for a year or two, I think. Before I managed to get everything under control again. But even now... I'm not like I was. I'm still calm and rational and think before I speak. But if anything or anyone threatens our children or their happiness, I know I have to be the one to protect them. And as anyone who's gone mountain climbing knows, the serene snow-covered peaks that look so tranquil from a distance are the deadliest. Okay, that's the end of the story. All right, did you like that? Let me go back to the very beginning of this story now, and I'm going to try and sort of break it all down. Okay, so the mountain. Right? Did you get the idea? Basically, it's about a person. I'm. I, I don't know. I'm. A, I feel like the narrator is female. It's a. I feel like it's a woman could be a man i suppose but for some reason something is telling me it's a woman i don't know i don't know why that is it could be a man like i said uh, but anyway let's let's say she and so she grew up as a child to be very well behaved to be very um cooperative to help her mum i think um And she had other brothers and sisters who probably took her mum's attention. Her mum was very busy looking after these other kids. And so our narrator decided that she would be helpful and that she would not make a fuss, not make any trouble, not cause any problems, keep herself quiet, keep her emotions under control. And that's how she grew up and that's how she continued to live. And she met this person... I'm assuming it's a guy and um he somehow managed to kind of open her up or that they they they've loved each other she continued to be under control all the way through their marriage it sounds like a generally a happy successful life but then when her husband dies she loses control and even though throughout her entire life she's had this emotional reserve or a sort of control over over her emotions. Losing her husband meant that she lost that and what was held inside came exploding out Um, and it manifested itself as unexpected behaviour. Like she got very emotional and um, screamed and cried during the funeral, punched her brother and her life kind of fell apart. But then remembering things that her husband had said allowed her to get back to her original kind of controlled emotional emotionally stable state but at the same time she was still able to access um her strong emotions and feelings okay it's not really not a kind of a narrative but more just an emotional narrative i think interesting story um, obviously curious to know what you think of it uh, you can leave your comments in the comments section now let's go through the, uh, the story line by line to kind of look at the language a little bit and I think this is American English there are a couple of moments where you can tell it's American English so I, obviously I speak British English so I will be uh, pointing out any differences for the most part, American English and British English are, you know, the, the vast majority of the, the two versions of the language. It's, it's the same, pretty much. A few little differences, which I'll point out. Okay. Uh, all right. So here we go. The mountain then. My mother said that out of all five of her children, so this, she had five children, out of all five of them, I was the easiest baby. Okay, fine. I think what she meant was that I hardly cried. This is interesting to note. I hardly cried. Now, um, to cry hard and to hardly cry. To work hard and to hardly work. Hardly, as an adverb, before a verb, is a minimising adverb. It doesn't mean to do it strongly. It's quite the opposite. So hard, we know, like hard to, um, you know, to fall hard, to... um, do something hard. Hard can mean tough or strong or difficult. To run hard, to work hard. Yeah, work hard is like to work very seriously. But to hardly work, so hardly uh, means almost none. Okay, hardly means almost none. So hardly work, you know, you've hardly done any work today means you've done almost no work. Okay, whereas you've worked very hard today means you've done a lot of work. Similarly, Uh, What she meant was I hardly cried means I almost never cried. Doesn't mean I cried hard, which would be like crying really hard, loudly, but uh, I hardly cried. I didn't cry very much. Mm -hmm. Um, I rarely fussed. To fuss or to make a fuss, fuss would be sort of problems, um, complaining a lot, maybe crying. Right. So, if you if you make a fuss, like okay, an, an example when I, so I've got a daughter. She's she's three years old, and sometimes she makes a fuss. For example, if we want her to do something that she doesn't want to do, she might make a fuss. She might start crying. She might even sort of have a tantrum, roll on the floor and cry, or put her head in the pillow or something like that, or argue or get angry, making a fuss okay or to fuss so sometimes she fusses like for example if it's time to go out but she's not ready to go out because she wants to play with her toys she will start crying or or something like that you know three-year-old children that's what they do so uh i think she meant i hardly cried rarely fussed meaning I i i hardly ever made a fuss and was generally asleep most of the time which i guess was a good thing for her I guess it's kind of American English, although lots of British people say this now. I guess, you see, I'm even saying it myself now. I suppose would be, let's say, more of a typically British thing. I suppose this was a good thing. I suppose you're right. I suppose we should do that. I guess you're right. I guess that's a good thing. I guess we should do that. So I guess, blah, 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 in American English. And I suppose, I think maybe, in British English. Um they say, I suppose, and I think in American English too, but we are less likely to say, I guess that was a good thing. In, in British English, it might be something like, I suppose that were, that's, that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. So, uh, I hardly ever cried. I was generally asleep, which I guess was a good thing for her. It made life easier for the mum. As the fourth of five, she had a lot to deal with before she could get to me. To deal with things, she had a lot of things to manage lots of things to sort out before she could finally get to me. Like, um, you know, where it is with children, maybe the kid needs food or or, or or a hug or a nappy change or something, or something like that, or whatever, the, some problem. So this the mum had like to lo- deal with lots of things before she could get to the daughter. So I made it easier for her. Nice. I kept doing it as I grew up, so not just as a baby, but as she grew up, she kept being cooperative and um, thoughtful, helpful to her mum. If one of my siblings dropped their ice cream, a sibling is a brother or sister. If one of my siblings dropped their ice cream, see, there, one, there. So we use they and there these pronouns, when you don't know if the person you're talking about is male or female. Okay. So in this case, if one of my, either, if we don't know for it's not important. So I guess this person's got brothers and sisters. And if one of them, either brother or sister, doesn't matter which, if one of them dropped their ice cream, okay. Um, I'd give them mine. So they would stop making a scene to make a scene, to make a fuss. Okay. Make a scene. It's the sort of thing that like making a fuss, the sort of thing that would attract attention of people if you're in the street and your child is making a scene your child is having a tantrum and crying or something other people you know oh dear and like, you know stop making a scene so i she would give uh the ice cream she'd give them her ice cream what a good girl when someone had to sit in a middle seat so in a car you know the kids want to be on the window seats and the middle seat probably is the least popular seat. When someone had to sit in a middle seat, you can bet that's where my car seat would be strapped. So the car, her car seat would be strapped into the middle seat. You can bet, meaning you can be sure, basically. You can put money on it, not literally, it's just an expression, but you can bet means you can be certain, you can be sure that something is true. You can bet that's where my car seat would be strapped. In fifth grade, so here's another American thing, the years in school, they call them grades. First grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, and so on. In the UK, they tend to be like first year, second year, third year, fourth year. So we call them years, and they call them grades in in America. In fifth grade, when Clara Gomez, I don't know who Clara Gomez is, probably just some girl at school. Uh, When Clara Gomez stole my cookie from my lunchbox... I just shrugged and ate my carrot sticks. To shrug is just like, lift your shoulders like that, as if to say, well, there's nothing I could do, really. Shrug or shrug your shoulders. Um, I just shrugged and ate my carrot sticks. Again, what a good girl. She didn't make a fuss. She didn't cry. She didn't fight. My nickname was Montañita. Little mountain. Is this Spanish? I think so. And Mia Moore is in there too, isn't it, in this story? Is that Spanish? I think so. Maybe this is like, you know, in in the USA, there's, you know, large Hispanic communities. Maybe this is, maybe the people in this story are sort of like, uh, sort of Latin American. Um, Because I was never moved, never bothered, always calm. The little mountain. In seventh grade, I broke my leg but I didn't tell anyone for three days. Like what? Really? You broke your leg. You didn't tell anyone for three days. (laughs) Oh my goodness. This is really like pushing it to the extreme. This is, this child, uh, is incredibly stoic. I just gritted my teeth and hopped along. (laughs) Really? I mean, I think there's a limit to it. You know, it's, she's a very good girl. She doesn't make a fuss, but I mean, if you break your leg, I mean, you, you're well within your rights to <laughs> say to the mum and dad, uh, excuse me, I know my brothers and sisters want their ice cream, but I think I've got a broken leg. Can we go to the hospital? Um, anyway, she didn't do that. She just gritted her teeth. <clears throat> to grit your teeth is when you put your, you clench your jaw and shut your teeth and grit, grit your teeth. So, um clench your teeth or put your teeth together like that. If you're, if you're experiencing a lot of pain, you would grit your teeth uh, like that. And she hopped along. Hop is when you kind of jump on one leg. You're walking on one leg. Hop, hop, hop. Wow. Until my father found me crying on the bathroom floor he took me to the hospital and bought me a cast we couldn't afford. A cast is a thing made of plaster. You know, when someone breaks their leg or breaks their arm, you know, if someone's had an accident, they've broken a leg or an arm, they would come back, um, they'd come out of the hospital with with a cast. It's white, it's made of plaster, I guess, or these days they may use another material. But it's hard, and it covers the broken arm or leg. Uh, while the arm or leg uh, heals, it keeps the arm or leg sort of um, protected and motionless. A cast. Okay, he took me to the hospital and bought me a cast we couldn't afford. So even though they didn't really have the money for this cast, uh, he bought it anyway. This is America, of course, where you have to pay for all your health care. And when the kids when the kids at school called me a cripple, so a cripple. This is a, an offensive word. It's an it's not a nice word in English, um, if the children are calling her a cripple, a cripple is someone who's got like a physical injury or maybe a physical disability that is probably permanent. Okay, so a cripple, It's, it's really not a nice word. And so the kids were teasing her, calling her a cripple because of her broken leg. So when the kids at school called me a cripple, you can guess what I did. Well, let's guess what she did. She probably shrugged her shoulders and, you know, didn't really react, didn't make a fuss. In high school, my little sister Sophia was getting picked on by some boys. To get picked on. It's the sort of thing that happens to children. They get picked on, they get bullied, um, they get teased. I think tease is here in this story as well. So to get picked on. So uh, Sophia was getting picked on. So to get picked on means when other children say mean things about you. They say nasty things to you. They make you feel bad. Maybe they make fun of you. Um, They might even physically do things like sort of maybe hit you or poke you. Okay, it's when usually older, bigger children do bad things to younger children. Because it makes them, feel, because it's fun for them. But for the younger child, it's absolutely horrible. It's very common to get picked on at school. Um, so when her little sister was getting picked on by some boys, she, I pretended I didn't see it happen. I guess this is for Sophia's sake, so Sophia doesn't feel embarrassed. But I mean, if all right, anyway, she pretended she didn't see it happen. For me, if if I was getting picked on, I would hope my brother saw it and so he would step in but maybe the author the narrator of this story is trying to be a lot more stealthy discreet and that night it says i switched out her too small uniform skirt for mine so clearly it's this school they have a uniform and i guess Sophia was getting picked on because her skirt was too sh- was too small and so the narrator switched out her too small uniform skirt for, for hers. So she swapped. So she took Sophia's uniform skirt at night when no one knew it was happening. She took Sophia's skirt, which was too small, and replaced it with hers, which was probably the right size. So Sophia would look normal. But the narrator couldn't wear her skirt. So she did it when no one was looking, which I guess is sort of super generous, She doesn't expect to receive any praise for it. She just did it secretly. So she stopped getting teased. There's that word, to be teased, to be picked on, to be bullied uh, when people make fun of you. And I wore pants for the rest of the year. Here's some more American English. Pants meaning trousers. Okay, so she wore trousers. In the UK, we say trousers. In the USA, they say pants. But in the UK, our pants are what you wear under your trousers, underwear. Okay, so you you put your pants on, and then you put your trousers on. Okay, in in the UK, whereas in in the USA, your pants are the things you wear on the outside. Trousers we call them. What do they call pants in America? Underpants. That's another question for another time. Oh, okay. I've got to have to Google it. What do Americans call pants? Okay, this is from Yahoo Answers, if this is a decent... Um, underpants. I'm English and I generally call it underwear. Underwear, shorts, drawers, hmm, knickers, underwear underpants, shorts. Okay, that'll do. All right, next, when my college algebra professor, it's it's in maths, algebra, lost my test and made me retake it, I just nodded and did it. So the professor actually lost her test, and because he or she lost the test, the narrator had to retake it. Now, this could be a massive problem that... You could make a huge fuss about this. You can imagine getting the parents involved. You know, I can't believe that the professor lost the test and sh- there's no way I want my daughter to have to repeat the test again. I think she should be blah, blah, blah. You know, it could be a big problem. But she just nodded and did it. Wow. The the, the patience and um, tolerance of this person is incredible. When I got catcalled walking across campus to get catcalled, this is when Let's say a girl is walking across the street or something men shout things or whistle or something at a woman in the street and probably at worse things they say sort of sexual things and stuff like that um it's really not nice at all it's totally horrible i guess for women to be cat called to get cat called when I got catcalled walking across campus, I just looked down at the ground. So she didn't react. And you, the first day you came up to me and offered to buy me coffee, I was sure you were making fun of me too. To make fun of someone, right? She thought that he was teasing her. So I stayed quiet. I guess this is at like university age now. Eventually, you flashed me that blinding smile. Flash. So flash, you know, flash like a flash on a camera, a flash of light, and you can flash a smile as well. I can't do it very well to flash a smile. You sort of, when someone does a a very charming looking smile at you and it's like, oh wow, your smile is so blinding, So, so brilliant and attractive. You flashed me that blinding smile and told me, guess I'll take that as a yes then. I think I said about three words to you that first day, but I gave you my number. What were those three words? Here is number. Here is number. (laughs) Uh, This, my number. It was that the three words? You call me. I don't know what it was, but anyway, (laughs) maybe four words. Here's my, here is my number. I'm joking. Uh, I think I said about three words to you that first day, but I gave you my number and answered when you called. Know, romance. At first, I think you just thought I was shy. But as the months went on and things got more serious, you started to get upset when I didn't tell you things. Upset in English. You upset. You can be upset because you're sad or you can be upset because you're angry. But it's basically when your emotions get too much and you might cry. So if someone is upset, they might be upset because they're very sad. They might be upset because they're very angry. See, it could be either. Uh, You started to get upset when I didn't tell you things. That would be probably angry and maybe hurt, that kind of upset. But basically, emotions become too much and often involves crying or like expressions of anger, or when someone's emotions get too strong, they get upset, right? You started to get upset when I didn't tell you things. When I got fired from my part-time job, so when she lost her job, and started skipping lunch. To skip lunch is when you just don't eat lunch. You have your breakfast, you have your dinner, but skip lunch. In this case, to save money, uh, I started skipping lunch to afford my textbooks In order to pay for her textbooks she needed for university, she stopped eating lunch to save money. I didn't want to tell you because I knew it would upset you. I was right, wasn't I? You were so mad when you figured it out. So this is, there's some American English here, mad, angry, we would say in the UK, but in American English, mad, yeah, for us mad means crazy but in american english they it it means crazy too but it also means angry but it doesn't mean angry in british english so anyway you were so mad when you figured it out also in british english we don't usually say to figure something out we say to work something out okay so you were so angry when you worked it out when you uh, managed to understand what was going on Here, you yelled, shoving money at me. Again, in British English, we don't really yell, we shout. Okay, so yell in American English, shout, probably in British English. Here, you shouted, shoving money at me. So he's kind of like giving her money like that in a fairly sort of aggressive manner, maybe. But being generous. Take it, I don't need it. You know I have a scholarship. So a scholarship is when someone someone's uh, university uh, education is paid for by someone else, probably because they're good at sport. Often in American colleges, you get a scholarship if you are really good at football or basketball or, or something like that. If you're if you're really good at sport, maybe the college will pay for you to take uh, your degree because you will be a benefit to them because there's a whole sort of university sports scene is kind of really important and colleges like to have really good sports teams um i i don't know i don't know what i guess there must be some sort of like industry of a lot of sports stars who become professional sports players go through the college system there must be money involved anyway um so, some people get a scholarship. They Basically, their, their education is paid for by someone else, but usually by the university or by a sponsor or something. You know I have a scholarship. You know my parents send me money. Take the goddamn money. Okay? That's very American. Take the goddamn money! It sounds like it from an episode of Suits. And you know that American TV show? Suits TV show. You know the TV show Suits. It's on Netflix, I think, or something. Yeah, Meghan Markle was in Suits. Yes, Suits. Anyway, it's about lawyers. And every other word is goddamn. I want my goddamn name on the goddamn wall. And uh, are you out of your goddamn mind? Everyone's goddamn this and god out of their goddamn minds. And I'm, you know, goddamn. I'm wearing a goddamn suit and this... You know, I don't know why where everything's in goddamn black and white here. And goddamn it, Megan, You're going to, you know what did you goddamn well say to the goddamn queen? And so on and so forth. So very typically uh, American stuff. Anyway, where was I? Here, take it. You know, my parents send me money, take the goddamn money. I just stood there. I'd never had someone yell at me or shout at me while doing something nice before. I'm being really nice to you. (laughs) Take this money. Uh, Thanks. When you noticed how stunned I was, if you're stunned, it's like you don't know how to react. You don't know. You sort of don't move. You can't do anything. Uh, stunned. When, I noti- when you noticed how stunned I was, you softened your voice. You started sp- speaking more softly. Please, it hurts me to see you starving yourself. Please take the money. For the first time ever, I talked back. Now, this doesn't mean this is the first time she ever responded that she was just mute. she never spoke before now to talk back um i think in I think in British English we'd say to answer back um, and it means to to kind of defend yourself when someone is saying something against you you kind of f- respond and defend yourself that's what talk back means. it also means to just reply, but in this context it means to sort of uh reply with defensiveness or maybe to protect yourself you know to argue a little bit so you know uh, it it hurts me to see you starving yourself please take the money and then for the first time ever I talked back why like why does it hurt you and you laughed at me because I love you you idiot (sighs) (laughs) because I love you you idiot. I took the money. you damn right you took the money. You goddamn right you did. Sorry. I took the money, but snuck most of it back into your wallet that night when you were asleep to sneak something in, to sneak, S-N-E-A-K, sneak, snuck, snuck, sneak. Okay, you can sneak somewhere which means you go somewhere quietly without anybody noticing, Mm, 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 like a ninja, sneak, sneak, sneak. I snuck into the kitchen in the middle of the night in order to eat something from the fridge, okay, to sneak out of your... I snuck out of the house to go and, you know, hang out with my friends. I snuck out through the window, something like that. You can also sneak something somewhere, so, in this case, she snuck the money back into the wallet. Okay. She's, like, ridiculously good per- a ridiculously good, kind person, it seems. Um, she accepted the money, but she actually snuck most of it back into the wallet that night when you were asleep. So, she took the money, but then sort of, like, sneakily gave it back to him. For most of the time we dated, we never fought. Fought, obviously fight is the verb fight fought fought for most of the time we dated we never fought even when one of your friends tried to tell me you cheated on me to cheat on someone means basically to go with another in this case she's with him boyfriend girlfriend and she cheats on him means she sleeps with someone else or goes with someone else another guy right so even when one of your friends tried to tell me you cheated on me so they didn't even fight then so, who is this other friend? Probably some jealous person who's like, "Oh, they're the perfect couple. I'm going to break I'm going to break up their perfect uh couple." Um Ah, oh, the dream couple. I'm going to pop their I'm going to burst their bubble and say, "Uh, you know, Tony, uh yeah, he's been cheating on you." The guy's name's Tony, I've just decided. Yeah, uh you know what, I saw Tony with someone else. I think you need to have a conversation with Tony. What 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 what? Anyway, he tried to tell her that Tony was cheating on her. Uh huh. And she says, I know you hadn't. The friend was just a jerk. Another bit of American English, a jerk? It's just like a Hmm. What would be the equivalent of a jerk? Just like an idiot, and not someone who's not nice and st- and someone who's stupid. It's just a twit, um, uh, an idiot. I'm trying to think of words that are not really rude. I think I can think of plenty of very rude words. Twat. Although I wouldn't say the word twat in American English. Twat is a lot more offensive than it is in British English. In British English, it's not that bad, really, but. Yeah, so be careful with that one. Uh, he was just an idiot. Let's go for idiot. I know you hadn't cheated on me. The friend was just an idiot, a jerk. When he tried to tell me, I just stared at him like this. Oh, yeah, Tony's, uh, I think Tony's been sleeping with someone else behind your back. And she just stared at him like this. Seriously? Didn't cry or yell or demand proof. Cry, what? What are you talking? What do you mean? didn't cry or or yell again like what or demand proof how do you know i want proof show me the show me the photos uh she didn't do that that freaked the friend out a bit he was like don't what don't you believe me and the friend's like "Ah, annoyed this friend is a jerk he kept trying to convince me but I stayed so calm, he eventually gave up and admitted the truth. No, he is. He is. Look, uh, honestly, uh, (sighs) okay, it's not true. That's maybe what happened. Later, you told me you couldn't believe how amazing I was to trust you so much. Oh, it's sweet. What a sweet story. The truth was I had no idea if it was the truth or not. I just didn't react because I knew if, if I did, it wouldn't change the outcome. Wow. Incredible levels of wisdom (laughs) from this person. And I learned that staying calm in situations like that gave me the power. Ooh, almost like a little bit, um, what's the word for it? Almost little, little scary, like cold, you know, like, uh, cold, almost cold blooded, like, I will stay calm. I will keep my emotions under control. Why? Because this gives me the power. (laughs) Um, Our marriage, too, had very few fights. Nice. If you didn't take out the trash like you said you would, I did it. How reasonable. How wonderfully reasonable. If you didn't take out the trash. More American English here. In the UK, we say rubbish, not trash. Okay. Right. Taking out the trash seems to be something that causes a lot of problems in marriages. I don't know why this is. It's a flashpoint in many marriages, taking out the trash, taking out the rubbish. Not in this marriage, if you didn't take out the rubbish or the trash like you said you would, I did it. Everything's fine. And when you'd notice it, when you noticed I'd done your chores, you felt so bad that you'd do some of mine to make it up. Oh. When you noticed I'd done your chores, chores, this is basically housework. Again, chores in American English. They definitely use it a lot in American English, but do we say chores in British English? Chores, not so much. We tend to say housework. We we do have the word in British English, but we don't use it nearly as much as they do in American English. We tend to use housework but chores is nice word, stuff you've got to do around the house. When you noticed I'd done your chores, you felt so bad that you'd do some of mine to make it up. If you make it up to someone, it means you do something to kind of compensate them or to repair something. Like in this case, um, she did something for him. And so he feels like he should do something in return to, to um, compensate her for what she did. To make it up for him to make it up to him. Let me make it up to you. So it'd be like, um, oh, thanks for doing me that favour the other day. I really appreciate it. Look, let me make it up to you and uh, I'll take you out for lunch. Something like that. If someone does does something for you, then you need to make it up to them by doing something for them in return. So you felt so bad that you do some of mine to make it up. Oh, what a perfect marriage. When our children misbehaved, all right, behaved badly i never raised my voice like shouted or screamed or made a scene if you raise your voice you know don't make me raise my voice with you just to when your voice gets louder don't raise your voice to me or screamed okay shout is just say things very loudly hello shout scream it's got two meanings i think one meaning is just a noise ah like if you're in a horror film someone's coming after you with a screwdriver ah scream but also you can scream like shout like help that also means scream scream for help so scream can either mean ah or it can mean shouting um especially if you're shouting at a very high pitch okay when our children misbehave I, I never raised my voice or screamed or made a scene I just asked them what they did. What did you do? And eventually they'd cave. So to cave or to cave in means to crumble. Like there's a picture of a cave here, but imagine the the cave crumbling. The roof of the cave, cave giving way and it collapsing. So to cave in means to kind of collapse. So if a child is like, "Mm," you know, that you're having a fight with a child and you say, what did you do? And the child just goes... Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't. You know, I told a lie or something like that to cave, to kind of collapse when the their position, uh, when their position kind of collapses in the sense that they just admit that they're wrong or they stop arguing, they lose the argument. Our oldest, our oldest child, told me once it would be much less scary if I'd just shout at them like Dad did. So apparently her her kind of cold blooded approach was quite chilling, quite frightening. Like, what did you do? I don't you know, I will find you, I will hunt you down. <laughs> like a sort, of, you know, if Liam Neeson was in your family, I I know if you've lied. I've got a particular set of skills. I figured I'd stay like I was. Okay, so she didn't change calm, quiet, a peacemaker, non-reactive, for the rest of my life. But you changed that. Emotional. You jerk. (laughs) She's angry. When you died. (sighs) Emotional. When you died, it was like that frozen mountain of emotional outbursts inside me melted all at once. So the Her emotional reserve was like a frozen mountain. And when he died, it melted and all the emotions came out. Nobody expected it when I started screaming and sobbing at the funeral. Sobbing means crying. (laughs) Like that. My older brother tried to take me outside. Come on, come on, come outside, come outside. You're making a scene. And... I punched him in the jaw. Drama. The jaw. This is your jaw. Well, it's not your jaw. That's my jaw. But you know what I mean. The jaw is the lower part of your mouth. The part that goes up and down. Uh, Right, your jaw. I punched him in the jaw. I apologize later, of course. I should hope so. Um, You'd hardly recognize me now, I think. Meaning you wouldn't, if you saw me now, you wouldn't think I was the same person. Like, is that you? You'd hardly recognize me. You'd almost, you almost wouldn't be able to identify me. It's a lot harder for me to stare blankly now and take things, to stare blankly. Like that. If someone says, you know, excuse me, you took my parking space. Stare blankly and not argue. It's harder for me to stare blankly. meaning it's harder for her to keep her emotions in and just take things. The emotions come out. because I keep remembering you saying, "Stand up for yourself, you deserve better me more." right. And you're not here anymore. to stand up for me. To stand up for someone is to defend someone, to support someone. So if someone is being attacked, you would say, Oi, excuse me, what are you doing? Don't leave her alone. I'm standing up for her. Or our kids. I don't know how to describe it exactly. What changed the moment you left this earth? But it's like I was blue one moment and red the next. Hard as ice before I melted into a hurricane. Can you can melt into a hurricane? Don't know. Melt, you know is when ice becomes water. Can you melt into a hurricane? I suppose so. I was a mess for a year or two, I think. A mess, like disorganised, no order, everything was all over the place, emotionally disorganised, out of control, before I managed to get everything under control again. Even now, I'm not like I was, meaning I'm different. I'm still calm and rational, and I think before I speak. But if anything or anyone threatens our children, or their happiness, I know I have to be the one to protect them with my particular set of skills. And as anyone who's gone mountain climbing knows, the serene, snow-covered peaks that look so tranquil from a distance. Serene means quiet and peaceful. Snow-covered, covered in snow. Peaks, the tops of the mountains the serene snow-covered peaks that look so tranquil. Tranquil and serene. (laughs) Tranquil means quiet, right? Here we go. Tranquil, calm, and peaceful, right? Tranquility and serene, calm, and quiet. They're synonyms. There you go. Serene, tranquil. Where were we? These serene snow-covered peaks that look so tranquil from a distance are the deadliest. There's a slightly menacing undertone to this. <laughs> don't don't mess with this woman basically. <laughs> she will find you. She will hunt you down and she will kill you. Okay, so that is where the video ends. That's where the audio from the video recording I did uh, finishes, but I'm now adding a bit more here to the audio version in order to do a quick language summary of the bits of vocabulary that came up in that. So, how was that for you? Did you enjoy the story? As I said, there, there weren't many narrative elements. It was more an emotional story, but you know, quite an interesting one. Again, I do recommend that you try reading the story out loud yourself, either by repeating after me or, or not, just you know, reading it uh, out loud with the story in front of you. But now let me recap some of the vocabulary items and British and American English differences that you heard there, just to sum up and help you remember what you've, you've just heard. I'll be as brief as I can while basically just jogging your memory here. So I'm going to fly through this list. Uh, you can find this vocabulary list on the page for this episode on my website, of course. It's actually quite a long list. There was a lot of language in there. Obviously a lot of words, but I mean a lot of target language, lots of stuff that you could focus on learning. Let's see how much of this stuff you already know. Let's see how many things you remember, how many of these things you can actually take on and start using yourself. So we've got first thing, I hardly cried. I hardly cried. And it's worth pointing this one out again. I hardly cried means I didn't cry very much. I cried a, you know, a, a, a tiny amount. And the good example for this would be the difference between to work hard and to hardly work okay? To work hard means you, you know, put a lot of effort in, um, right? Um, make a lot of effort, solid work, uh, to work hard, right? And then to hardly work means to do almost no work, All right? Uh, next one is is to fuss or to make a fuss. So fuss is a, is a, is a verb and it's a noun, to fuss. Oh, stop fussing and uh, don't make a fuss. So fuss... It's quite a difficult one to define somehow, but basically it means kind of anxious, nervous behaviour or excited behaviour, which serves no particularly useful purpose. It's kind of useless and useless, upset, uh, anxious behaviour. And people typically say things like, oh, what's all the fuss about? I don't know what all the fuss is about. Everyone's talking about this Meghan and Harry interview but what's all the fuss about? So the fuss would be like, in this case, people arguing, people um, getting upset about it, right? What's all the fuss about? Another example would be like you're in a restaurant uh, or a hotel or something, and there's a problem. And, you know, like uh, my wife says to me, why don't you complain about it? And I say, well, I don't want to make a fuss, meaning I don't want people to be upset. I don't want uh, there to be problems, Okay, to make a fuss. Similarly, we have the expression to make a scene, uh, which would be if you make a scene, it means you do something which attracts lots of attention. Like, for example, angrily shouting at staff in an airport terminal or in a hotel lobby. You know, you see, you've seen that in hotels where someone's checking out of the hotel and they're very angry because of some problem and they're shouting and people are getting upset and everyone looks over. Ooh, what's going on over here? One of the customers is making a scene. Okay. Similarly, my daughter if she gets upset or something and she starts having a tantrum, you know, that's kind of like making a scene, making a fuss. Okay? Moving on swiftly. Siblings. You remember what siblings are? Siblings are brothers and sisters, okay? Uh next is the verb to bet. Now, we know that to bet means to to put money on something. Um to bet. Yeah, not not the not the place Tibet not the place um there is a joke for that which is um um what is it there was a comedian called dennis pennis and he uh was famous for asking movie stars stupid questions he, he he was he was around before ali g did it he did it first really and um he went up to what's his name oh god why can't i remember his name hamster actor <laughs> come on richard Gere. <laughs> okay he went up to richard Gere, who's famously a, a buddhist and he said uh richard gear i've i've heard that you are a, a buddhist and he goes yeah that's right and richard gear is very serious he takes himself very seriously and he said um so um do you like tibet or do you think gambling's wrong and richard Gere just kind of looked at him like uh, what he didn't get, he didn't realise that there was a joke being made. Do you like Tibet? Do you like Tibet, or do you think gambling is wrong? <laughs> okay, so uh, Tibet to, to to bet B E T uh, to put money on something because you think it's going to happen. You're going to win money if you do. Uh, if it happens, right, so you bet on a horse or something like that in a horse race, but also we use bet all the time in uh, in everyday English to mean I think it 's going to happen, I expect it will happen i 'm sure it will happen, for example, I bet that England get knocked out of the World Cup on penalties, or I bet it rains this afternoon, like we 're planning to do yoga in the park, but i bet it I bet it rains this afternoon, and we have to cancel. Okay. Uh, Next was was to shrug your shoulders. So if you don't know, if you sort of, as if if you want to kind of say, well, I don't know, right? No, I don't know. um, How do you express that with your body language? Well, your shoulders kind of go up, don't they? Huh? I don't know. So that is to shrug your shoulders. S-H-R-U-G. Again, you can see all these words on the page for this episode, so I don't need to um, kind of spell them all. Next one is to grit your teeth. Grit. Now, there's like a literal meaning of this and then the idiomatic meaning. So literally, gritting your teeth means to clench your jaw. Clench your jaw. Uh, So your teeth are held tightly together. To clench your jaw. Uh, Grit your teeth. But in terms of the idiom, it means to decide to do something even though you don't want to do it. So like, uh, come on, let's do it. Like I had to tell my dad that I'd crashed his car. So I just gritted my teeth and told him. Dad, I've crushed your car. I didn't actually say it like that. no I've crushed your car. What? I can't understand you. I've, I'm sorry, but I've crushed your car. You know, not literally. <laughs> I just kind of like, right, come on, let's do it. We've got to tell him, let's tell him. So I just gritted my teeth and got on with it. Not literally. Uh, next is a cast or a plaster cast. If you break your arm, and then you go to a hospital and they will put a cast on your arm to keep your arm in one position so that the bone uh, can can repair itself a plaster cast or a cast next is to be able to afford something you probably know this one right uh, we can't afford it we couldn't afford it we use be able to after you know in grammatical situations when you can't use can so that would be after modal verbs you know most commonly so we'd use be able to. Uh, for example, we won't be able to afford it. You know, obviously we can't say we won't can be able to afford it. That That's clearly bad grammar. So uh, no one ever does that. Instead, it's we won't be able to afford it. Right. Next one is a cripple. This is an offensive word, really, and not a nice word to describe someone who has a physical disability of some kind. um, Maybe because of a birth defect, or because of illness, or because of an accident. We don't really use the word cripple these days. It's an insulting word. Um, You might say, you know, a disabled person. Uh, And we don't really use the word handicapped either anymore. So, the the appropriate word is disabled, a disabled person. Next, uh, to get picked on, to get teased, to get bullied. Now, these are all um, things that might happen to kids at school. So, to get bullied is the most serious one. Bullying is considered to be quite serious, and there are some cases where bullying is, is really, really Serious and very, very bad. Um, so, I remember kids getting bullied at my school. One particular kid at my school got bullied so badly that um, his parents removed him from the school and put him in a new school because he was so miserable. Um, so, bullying is a form of abuse, you know, and it, it can be like physical abuse, like uh, when older kids like hit uh, younger kids or beat them up or something, or it could just be like hassling them harassing them taking money or food or possessions from them this is bullying to get picked on is a similar thing but slightly less serious so you know most kids at school get picked on for something like you get picked on because of your appearance you get picked on if you've got a funny name right uh, to be teased is also the same thing to, to to tease someone is like to make fun of someone okay so let's say you've got a funny name and people are going to let's say if your name is is Richard uh, the the short name short a short version of Richard could be Dick so people might call you Dick you know you'd call you they'd call you Dick as a joke they tease you make fun of you pick on you right okay next we've got to get catcalled getting catcalled is something that happens to women in public when men um Shout out rude things and suggestive things or directly sexual things to women that they see in the street. And typically it would be like men working on a building site next to the road and a woman walks down the road and the men are shouting, Oh, darling, show us your legs. You know, that sort of thing to get catcalled. Okay. To flash a smile is to sh- suddenly show a fantastic smile. You know, to flash a smile, you know, to, to smile at someone in a dazzling, and charming kind of way and also you can say a blinding smile this is when the smile is so bright and brilliant that it, it it's blinding Ah, oh, what a charming amazing smile he flashed a blinding smile uh and next the next one is i'll oh, i'll take that as a yes then i'll take that as a yes then this is what we say when someone when you've asked someone a question and they haven't said yes specifically but essentially their response or you take their response as a yes. Okay, so it'd be like, you know, do you want to go to the cinema? (laughs) Well, I'll take that as a yes then. Okay, Uh, I'm going through these quickly. This is not how I do things in the premium uh, subscription. I take a lot more time and go into loads more examples and all the collocations and synonyms and things you need and all the pronunciation drills and all that stuff. But here, this is just, just a quick vocab recap. Uh, Next one is to to get upset. And remember, you can get upset because you're sad. Like, for example, I don't know, if if your dog has died, you might get upset. Oh, Fluffy died. Right. And also, you might get upset if you're very angry. Like if, um, I don't know, what, someone just um, scratched your car, you might get upset about that. Um, Okay. Next is to get fired. This is when you lose your job and the boss tells you that you've got to go because you did something wrong, right? I got fired, okay? Uh, To skip lunch. This is when you choose not to have lunch, maybe because you're on a diet, or you're trying to save money, or you don't have time. So I was working really hard on this episode of the podcast, and I was really in the zone, so I just skipped lunch and carried on working. Um, A scholarship. A scholarship, this is when someone pays for you to do something, okay, uh, when someone pays for you to do something, usually to um, to to do some studying, okay, uh, so if you get a scholarship to a school or university, it means your studies are paid for by the school or university or by some other organisation, and it's quite common in the American uh, university system. Uh, to be stunned, if you're stunned, it means you can't move, uh, if you're very surprised or shocked, you might be stunned, like, uh, I can't believe it Uh, to soften your voice to soften your voice is suddenly to start speaking kind of like this sometimes when uh, my daughter's making a fuss if she's refusing to do something I will catch myself getting angry oh come on and then I realize no 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 don't get angry and then soften my voice come on darling you know uh, if you don't do it you won't you know you won't get any sweeties there's always some negotiation involved. Anyway, to soften your voice. Uh, To talk back. This is when usually this is something that children do and parents don't like it. Okay, so if if a child talks back, it means they respond in a rude way. Okay, Um, okay, so if you're telling your child off for doing something wrong and the child talks back it's considered to be rude and uh, bad behavior for children to respond like that Um, next one is to sneak so to sneak into the kitchen to sneak around uh, to sneak somewhere is to kind of go there silently so no one can hear you like a ninja sneaking into the kitchen sneaking into the fridge in the middle of the night and also, you can sneak something into something, like to sneak money into someone's wallet. You can sneak money out of someone's wallet as well, I suppose. I think this is probably a lot more common. I mean, another example, uh, let's say uh, my daughter, one of her teeth has come out. You know, if, you know, when children, uh, as they get older, they lose their teeth, their, their baby teeth uh, fall out. And the tradition is that um, the child leaves the tooth under their pillow And, uh, you tell them that the tooth fairy in the middle of the night will come in, take the tooth away and replace it with a coin. But of course, what happens is the parent, I mean, I hope this is not, this is not a shock to anyone listening. Yes, that's right. The tooth fairy doesn't exist and neither does. Father Christmas doesn't exist either. Yeah. Sorry to break it to you. Instead, what happens is the parent sneaks into the child's bedroom and sneaks, uh, S- sneaks the coin under the child's pillow okay um fight what's the past form of fight it's of course fought and fought so fight fought fought and buy bought bought as well uh, to cheat on someone means to have an affair uh with someone so if you are married to someone and you cheat on them it means that you go with someone else you know you have a relationship or you have sex with with someone else uh, behind their back so to be unfaithful. To be unfaithful, to cheat on someone, to have an affair. Okay, next one is to freak someone out. To freak someone out is to shock, surprise, or disturb someone. Okay, hmm. examples. Freak out. Freak someone out. Uh, if someone freaks out or something freaks them out, they suddenly feel extremely surprised, upset, angry, or confused. Uh, Let's have some examples. I remember the first time I went on stage. I freaked out completely. I think our music freaks people out sometimes. It sort of frightens me. I guess I'm kind of freaked out by it. Okay, there you go, to be freaked out by something. A very common one, which I'm sure you've heard uh, at least you've heard me use that before, I'm I'm sure. Uh, Next one is to make it up to someone. So if you do something wrong, and you make someone feel upset, or someone's angry with you, and you need to apologize, you might make it up to them by doing something for them. Let me make it up to you by buying you dinner. Let me make it up to you somehow. Okay, like I'm really sorry about the blah, blah, blah. Let me make it up to let me make it up to you. Okay. All right. Um, Next one is to raise your voice. This just means to shout. You know, to raise your voice. Stop doing that. You know, to raise your voice uh, to shout. Yeah, I've done that one. To scream, as we know, scream could be just making a noise like ah, like in a horror film, or scream could also just be to shout as well. You know, come here like that. He screamed. Uh, to cave or to cave in. To cave in. Um literally this is when something collapses like a structure like a roof or a ceiling caves in it collapses inwards but also if you cave in it means you st- suddenly stop arguing uh, you stop resisting when people put pressure on you uh, you essentially kind of give up and stop arguing okay to cave in especially cave in to pressure okay next we have emotional outbursts an outburst is when something bursts out Right, you've seen the film Alien, right? The, the, there's obviously that famous scene where the alien bursts out of uh, someone's chest, right? You know, he, the alien facehugger attaches itself to the face of one of the characters and implants an alien embryo in his, in his stomach. And then the facehugger, after a few days, falls off. The guy thinks he's all right. And then suddenly uh, 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 the alien bursts out of his chest oh what a classic scene horrific um and all the actors are freaking out um because apparently um the director ridley scott used some samples of real animal blood in the scene and there was a lot more blood than some of the actors expected so they're screaming and freaking out and their reactions are quite realistic Anyway, what I'm I'm trying to say is it outbursts. So an alien can burst out, but also emotions can burst out as well. So emotional outbursts could be moments when you get suddenly very angry or very upset or something like that. Uh, It's a sign of um, grief. It could be a sign of trauma. Sudden emotional outbursts. Next one is to melt. Now, um, butter will melt if you leave it out on a hot day. Ice cream melts. Um, but also you can melt as well where you your previously cold emotionless position starts to turn into something a lot more warm and and uh, emotional to melt emotionally to suddenly become softer and more emotional to punch someone in the jaw this is this is american english really in british english we would say to punch someone in the face but your jaw is the lower part uh you know, that moves up and down when you when you eat oh, nah, 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 your jaw okay, the jaw there. Um to stare, we know is to kind of look without blinking, just look in an intense way, staring at something. <gasps> I c you know, I couldn't believe it when the alien burst out of his chest. I just couldn't stop staring. Uh to stare blankly B- uh, blank means without any kind of expression on your face, just a blank expression just no expression on your face, that's blank. So to stare blankly would be to just stare at something or someone with no expression on your face. Um, To stand up for yourself would be to defend yourself. So if someone is picking on you, you might stand up for yourself like, oh, leave me alone, you know, something like that. Um, we've had to melt already. A mess is is the opposite of something that's tidy. So, for example, when I was a teenager, my bedroom was always a mess. Uh, there were clothes on the floor. There were things lying around. The bed was all over the place. A complete mess. And my mum and dad would say, your bedroom is an absolute mess. Can you tidy it up, please? Um, but you can also be a mess yourself, an emotional mess. This is when you're very upset all the time. Like, you know, after my dog died, um, I was a complete mess for for weeks, just crying all the time and hugging a pillow, rocking back and forward. A total mess. Uh, Serene and tranquil. Serene and tranquil. So serene basically means peaceful, calm and quiet, like a Japanese garden. Okay, like some sort of Zen garden, very serene and tranquil, also is a synonym of this, means peaceful, calm, and quiet. Okay, serene and tranquil. And then we've got deadly, uh, something that's deadly can kill you. Okay, like a deadly virus, a deadly, uh, you know, deadly poison, a deadly snake, and deadly, deadlier, and the deadliest. Okay, let me go through the American English and British English. So, in America, in school, they talk about grades, like fifth grade, sixth grade and stuff. In the UK, we tend to use year, first year, second year, third year. Uh, in in America, they talk about your pants, um, but in the UK, these are trousers. There's a very well-known dis- difference. A difference there. In American English, Uh, they use the word mad, whereas in the UK, we would use the word angry, although mad also means uh, mentally unstable as well, crazy. It also means crazy in both versions of the language, but Americans will say, you're making me mad, whereas in the UK, we would say, you're making me angry. Um, In America, they would say to figure something out, and in the UK, we would say to work something out, just trying to figure out what's going on, and in in the UK, I'm just trying to work out what's going on. In the USA, they tend to say to yell, you know, to yell at someone. Uh, whereas in the UK, it's to shout, like to shout at someone. In the USA, they might describe someone as a jerk. You, you jerk, you stupid jerk. Whereas in the UK, it would probably be an idiot, you stupid idiot. Um, to, in America, they take out the trash. But in the UK, we take the rubbish out. So the trash in America and the rubbish in the UK... Um, in the U S they tend to use chores or they use the word chores more than we do in the UK. Uh, in the UK, we'd probably use housework, but it's possible to use chores as well. Just not as often as they do in America. And as I said before, in America, it's punch someone in the jaw. Whereas in the UK, it would be punch someone in the face. So we don't just focus on the jaw. It's like any part of the face will do just, whoosh, whoosh, punch someone in the face not that that happens all the time but anyway it's funny that that we maybe in america they've got such big jaws they're all teeth and jaws aren't they in america neck they're all necks and teeth and jaws americans maybe that's why they punch each other in the jaw a lot more easily because their jaws are just like so much bigger whereas in the uk we just doesn't matter just punch someone in the face doesn't really matter where okay Right, so that is that that was my vocab recap for this episode. I really hope you enjoyed this. I hope you enjoyed this story, and as I said at the beginning, I'm going to be doing more stories, various stories from different sources um and uh, so I hope you enjoy those too. But that is the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. as ever, you can leave your comments in the comments section, but from me to you. Now, I will just end this episode by saying, goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com style. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.